are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Krista Hardin. She's the owner and director of Reflections Counseling and Coaching Center based in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Hey, Krista, welcome to the show. Hey, so glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited to dive in into the into the work you're doing. I think it's something that's of a lot of interest to a lot of people looking to help others, uh, whether it's in the coaching capacity or the therapy capacity or both, right? Um, That's right. Yeah. So let's just start off with some background as to who you are and and the work you're doing every day with clients. Well, sure. I have my master's in clinical psychology and I got my bachelor's in psychology and communication because I could start to see early on that psychology classes alone, as I know many coaches probably have experienced, really don't even start to cover any people work. It's more about animal testing and Mm -hmm. the brain and sensation and perception. So it was so fun to do communication studies and then to go on and to get more of a counseling education in Then I got some coaching education as well about a decade later. So I didn't really start coaching until I was already a decade into my counseling practice. Yeah, that's that's actually interesting. I I guess I'm I'm always curious to know what got you know what got you into this particular field. So was it can if you think back on your on your earlier life, was it like a personal experience maybe that got you interested in working with with couples and relationships later on? Or was it just you've always been fascinated by the, you know, dynamics within a relationship? That's a great question. I started doing this work unofficially when I was absolutely a little girl of about seven years (laughs) Unofficially, I love that. Yes, my parents were fighting and I was like, you guys, you just need to do this. And then my dad was like, you know what? Like, this is not a bad idea. And he really liked that. So he was like, oh my gosh, like not that he always took my advice, but it just was in my heart to help people to find a solution to a problem. And so I can remember doing letters, passing letters for them back and forth under the door when my mom would go in her room and he would be out in the living room watching a movie. And I'd say, well, he says this, she says this, what do you think? Facilitator at such a young (laughs) age. That's awesome. (laughs) It was like so official. And then my friends like by ninth grade, it's totally official. Right. So now I'm on my bed, typing progress notes while they tell me about (laughs) people. Yeah. You've always kind of had it in you, right? (laughs) Yes, I have. And I think, okay, well maybe that was just because they were fighting, but it's like, None of the other three siblings decided to take that angle. So it was probably some self-preserving, but also like, I like this. This is kind of cool. It works. Yeah. Yeah. And I think your story is kind of a an interesting one for anybody out there who is trying to decide on a niche, on a direction to take their mm-hmm. their company in, their their practice in, right? You've got to sometimes, sometimes it's a positive influence. I mean, I've had 
It's more rare, actually. Uh, it's more rare that it is a positive influence where, okay, well, my yeah. parents had like the happiest mm -hmm. marriage and everything was going perfectly. And so they were kind of the model for what I wanted to, you know, kind of spread mm -hmm. out there in the world. That's kind of not the way it typically goes. Um, but more commonly, it is kind of the the other side where there's obviously varying degrees of negativity. Sometimes it's full-blown trauma. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. it's just kind of like what you mentioned, where you've noticed maybe in your own, you know, nine-year-old mind that something wasn't quite right and you wanted to make it better. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so whatever the case may be, it helps to dig deep. And sometimes, yes, uh, coaching work or even therapy work can, well, I guess this would be more in the realm of coaching. Um, it, it can help you, you know, realize what that more innate uh, passion or that innate inclination is, um, yeah. And I think having, I think having a, having a kind of natural, kind of magnetic effect toward one particular niche is definitely ideal compared to just having a purely, I don't know, academic interest in something, mm. right? Mm -hmm. It keeps oh, you, yeah. it keeps you engaged. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm with you. I almost studied social psychology and I was like, I think I need people a little bit more than that. So I'm really liking that and I enjoy reading the research, but I really enjoy being with people and doing it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right. So I want to dive a little deeper into your specific work. Um, and one of the the keys that comes up when, when I read more about you online is this R&R relationship repair program. And um, I'm also reading that you have two books, uh, from what I can only mm -hmm. tell based on the acronym, that mm -hmm. is related to this program. So can mm -hmm. you just give us more details about that? Absolutely. Well, actually, I started the program because I really had to find something more time efficient with couples. I remember one specific couple who I was using a lot of the marital resources out there with and I gave her this stack, a small stack, but nevertheless, a stack of surveys to do from John Gottman, the number one marriage researcher in the country at the time and still today. And she said, I love you, but we're not going to do these surveys. I'm a mom with five kids. I just want to come see you. And it was just a little bit of the merging of two worlds of practicality and theory. And I said, what can I do for people that's not just a one school theory about people, but something that really fits everybody. So I started to try to bring in the best I could find from each of the systems that I'd learned about and put it in an organized quick book that would give people tools and homework each week. And that's relate and help them to relate better. Now, after I put that six to eight week program out, a lot of my couples were like, we like this, but we need more. Six to eight weeks wasn't enough. And sometimes there's even deeper threads running through. So then I came up with release where I really embodied more of my graduate school theory with attachment work and deeply kind of releasing the trauma wounds that we create together in our marriages. So then you had a pairing for that first book. So sometimes people just do relate. Sometimes they just do release, but it's a nice flow even if you do them together because then you get a fuller analysis of your marriage and you get a longer time of doing your homework together. And it's just all of the best tools I could find over almost two decades of work. Right. And so I find this actually interesting, the way that you structured your two books. Um, you do have others, by the way, which we can get into a little mm -hmm. bit later. But mm -hmm. with regards to the R&R mm -hmm. &R program, the relate side 
I can only relate it to, no pun intended, I can only relate it to the conversations <laughs> I've had with therapists. So mm-hmm. repair often seems to be the domain of therapy, right? You are kind mm-hmm. of looking into what is wrong, like how you got to this point. And then the release part where it's about growth, that seems more mm-hmm. related to coaching, where it's kind of how do we get from where we are today to an even higher plane, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so if you can just give us a little bit more color into what is specifically involved without giving away too much, I know it's I know it's part of your program, um, but for anybody <laughs> listening that is interested in getting into you know, couples therapy or working with, you know, relationships or love or any of these related ideas. Um, I just wanted to maybe give a little bit more detail as to what these two programs involve on a specific, maybe day-to-day basis. Sure. I'd be happy to. So Relate is the picture of the book. If you ever check out the picture of the book, it's got a couple holding hands. Mm -hmm. And my goal for this program is that they would feel like not just friends, but in love again afterwards. So like you said, there's some therapeutic elements. We start out with trying to draw out how they really met and identified love together. What did they really like? What were their strengths? And then because this is therapeutic in a sense, but I think coaches can use it too. What is their timeline? What's the timeline of the relationship? So we're starting to look in the past and see where have you been together? Where have you been individually? What are your important positive and negative moments that have shaped you? But what I'm really trying to do ultimately with this tool is I'm trying to understand that they're probably at a very low charge on their, if you will, cell phone battery. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to dig a little bit to find out what are your problems? Where have you been and where are you wanting to go? But we're not going to stay there just yet, because I do believe that if you start to attack the problems right from the very first session, that you start to find people at odds even more. So I try at least for a very short while to do maybe some brief solution-focused therapy or coaching skill set stuff with them. But really, I'm trying to build and rekindle a bit. What first attracted you? Let's think about that. Let's write down what is your problem. But now we need to recharge you just a little bit. So I then help them walk into self-care measures and also into what I think is probably the hallmark of both programs, which is resting well together so that they can find a place of peace and solace and sanctuary together, even whilst working on the problem solving and communication tools. So those that's the setup for the program. And then we get into effectively communicating specific communication tools that I'm sure many of our therapists and coaches listening know. And then we tackle some things like now that you're together and talking more, how can we have fun together? And we know that trials are sure to come too, because that's part of life. What trials have you been through? How did that go for you? Did you have a hard time through those trials? Of course they did. And And what did not work when your spouse tried to comfort you or vice versa? What would work next time? So it's a very practical manual. And then the last part of that relate book is really going through how can we keep this going? Let's think about how now that we're this attractive, helpful couple with energy that others are probably going to want access to that too. Just that's the world we live in. People are feeling undernourished. So Mm -hmm. it's now going to be an attractive look to others. So now we talk about boundaries and keeping it going. So that's the Relate program. Okay, perfect. And the release, I'm guessing, just picks up right where that Relate program left off and gives... Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun to talk about with 
the coach and counseling world because you get that. But of course, if somebody's picking it up from the street, I try to make it where it doesn't have that feel. Like Mm -hmm. I still start that book with rest and I still make sure that couples know. And I use the acronym of each of the letters, R-E-L-A-T-E and R-E-L-E-A-S-E to give them, okay, the first homework is going to be whatever it is, romancing your relationship type of a thing. So anyway, the good news for this chapter is about rest. So people start with, okay, I recommend 10 hours a week of just not talking about problems problems, really making sure that you get to know each other and how you used to rest, because believe it or not, sometimes that's embedded in the problem. Like you don't spend any time together, or one of you has had a shaming belief that if they rested at all, then they weren't worthy. So it does start tackling problems even by resting well together and learning what that means. Sometimes we even have to change schedules a little bit. And then we head into effectively communicating Then we head into letting go of the past and doing more of that deeper attachment work and learning about forgiveness and healing and and deeper levels. And then we also attack, um, and I shouldn't say attack, but then we get to talk about sexual intimacy because that's such a big portion of marriage work, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, and it's kind of that. there's where we land is getting them healthier with communication and sexuality and finances. And we exit that program with some more boundaries work and encouraging them to stay present to each other and to serve the world and serve each other really well. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it, you you described it beautifully. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, I do like how you structure your release to be um, kind of standalone. Like it doesn't have to be you have to start with the relate uh, book mm-hmm. and then continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a nice kind of side note to mention for anybody who is looking to start their own program. It doesn't necessarily have to be sequential like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to I wanted to just pick up on the very first thing you said about the relate uh, book, which is you start off essentially by helping the couple rewrite the story that they have, Mm. that they tell themselves in their head as to, you know, that love story. Why did this, you know, I think, I think maybe when a couple is going through a tough situation, a a tough time, the story has warped into kind of a, um, maybe a cautionary tale or even worse, like a horror story. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so what you're doing, it sounds to me, is rewriting that story, which I think that idea of rewriting the story can apply mm-hmm. to practically any niche that a coach or therapist mm-hmm. find themselves in, right? Absolutely. You said that so well. Yeah. I mean, I think if I think if somebody is struggling, let's say, with something totally different, addiction, like if there's a drug addiction, I think the first step tackling what is the story that got you to this point could be amazingly effective, you know, to, mm-hmm. um, to battling mm-hmm. that problem. Or if somebody is struggling with you know, uh, problems at work, which is another common issue that people come into coaching for. Retelling that story could reframe their their own understanding of of why it is that they find themselves in this particular problem at work, whether it's a transition or whether it's stagnation or whatever the case may be. So I think mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at here is that the the reformulation of the story, the retelling, the re-understanding of the story is always, almost always, a perfect first step in any um coaching or therapy work so yeah thank you for for um Mm -hmm. i guess starting that off starting that idea off that way oh yeah you said that so well like i said and i really appreciate that because that narrative of what we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. is everything you're right yeah yep so anybody out there listening who 
wants to get into this work, uh, that is one definite thing I would keep in mind. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to ask you as well, I think anybody getting into coaching or therapy, I think they kind of understand what the plus side would be, which is seeing, well, in your case, seeing a couple reach a new phase in the relationship where they're happier, uh, mentally healthier, um, like you meant, like you mentioned earlier, you know, sexually healthier as well, um, kind of all of the above. But what a lot of coaches and therapists maybe don't think about in the beginning is the challenging side. So um, what can go wrong or maybe what were some um, elements of their of their practice that they didn't see coming that they've had to contend with? So I want to ask that to you. What has been, it could be one or two things, um, what has been the most challenging aspect of your work, if you can think of one, and how have you been working to overcome that, and how might you give advice to somebody getting into the field, how they can approach it uh, better? Well, I think when you're working with couples, you need to remember that they have the decision even if you give the best tools and work. I'm thinking particularly about when somebody requested that their wife receive services and I did the services with their wife. She didn't want to come in. She did. She loved it. She did this incredible job of growing and it took her about a year. By the time that she was finished, the gentleman didn't want anything to do with her. And it was really hard because we really had worked hard and I got a little upset and I said to him and I can be bold, but not mean. And I was just like, I'm really glad you're here. Cause he came back and I said, have you seen the work over the year? And he's like, she's changed incredibly. And this is so amazing. And I just really care about her, but I really fell in love with somebody else in the meantime. And so that's something that you have to be aware of is even if you do a good job and the person grows, there's always two people involved in the dynamic. So you have to separate yourselves out emotionally and leave it to God and just say, you know what, this is cool that I was able to help somebody to change and grow, but sometimes it might not end up staying in a marriage. They might not end up staying in a marriage. So you have to be ready for that. And most of the time they do, and it's a beautiful thing and you get to celebrate that all together. And those stories are amazing. But you don't live for that. You you live for your gift and your gift gets used in a variety of ways. And sometimes, and here's an example, that particular couple still isn't even divorced. There's something still pulling them together. So you can't let yourself get in it to that point where you're involved overly. You just have to take a step back and say, this is a bigger story. You have to rewrite the story while you're helping them to rewrite theirs. And it can take different twists and turns that you expect than you expect. Absolutely. In other words, don't don't confuse your service with the results. It's not mm-hmm. always going to be one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and priding yourself on the service aspect, the process, the expertise, the skills that you've built up, and and of course your passion for it. Priding yourself on that side of it, and of course, I've you know obviously you're going to take some level of reward when you see the client, Mm -hmm. you know, improve and you see positive outcome, but you don't kind of Mm -hmm. hang your hat on that. Right. Um, Right. Because it can go, sometimes it can go the other way, or sometimes you just don't see the result in the way that maybe you were expecting. So. Right. And And people are never an exact science. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's what makes things exciting as well. Is that Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. It's every, every couple's different. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
every every narrative is different. So fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I I want to touch upon something that I think is kind of at the forefront of a lot of therapist practice right now, a lot of coaching practices as well. And that, of course, is COVID and how this new world that we find ourselves in has affected a lot of the the therapy practices and coaching practices that that appear on the show. So in you. in your case, um, has this shift to remote therapy um, has it had a profound impact on your practice or would you say that you've been relatively well prepared for that shift? I think that many coaches nowadays are starting to shift online anyway. So I was one of those coaches and I already was planning that in the last year or two that I would be moving online. So I really didn't change that much. But my in-person practice did for a while. People were not as happy to say, oh, gosh, she's not coming in. We have to do virtual. So I think it's harder to transition people who are already seeing you than it is to get new people because new people totally get it. The people who have been seeing you in person felt like betrayed a little bit. Mm. And so it's been important for me and my work to try to offer to the ones who felt like they needed a little bit of time when it was safe in my region to go back out again. And my husband's medical provider. So I was able to keep tabs pretty closely, obviously, mm -hmm. and then go back in a couple months to help those people. So I've still kept my hand in for the few people who have really needed to have that in person. But each week I look at that again, because even yesterday was my day to go in for in-person services. And a, a client came up to me for prayer at the end, instead of maintaining the eight feet distance right, that I had right. set up and they came up and touched me on the face mm. and it was very inappropriate. So I had to set a boundary. So I had to think, wait, am I living in a world where I, um, and it was an older person. It wasn't in a sexual manner, but it was just something that it was unexpected. So you do have to be aware all of it is affected now, whether you're online, in person, somebody touches you, somebody coughs in your office, it definitely shifts things. And I think the most important thing for people to remember is, and this was at the very, as we were walking out. So uh, they said something like, you're so, it was a female, you're so young for being wise. So it was like this compliment, but I had to realize when people get in your space in a time of COVID, what's important is that you have a sense of, can I help them as well? If I'm thinking now about catching COVID from them. Right, right. And not immediately assuming the worst, you know, you have to right. imagine that their intentions were not to oh, violate yeah. any of that uh, personal space that you set out for yourself. Um, Absolutely. Because yeah. they don't mean that. They're just like, oh, love you. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. But like, then you kind of have to process like, and I think that's so huge. Like, wait a minute, am I here for you? Or am I right now? Some of them will tell me, oh, I think my husband has COVID. And you're like, oh, why didn't you tell me about that before the appointment? So I think people are having to make hard decisions about like some of their clients want to be in person. But then you're like, mm, I don't know if I should be. Yeah. So anybody looking to get into practice, in the world we live in now, these are the kinds of, I mean, <laughs> yes, number be one. Ready I, for anything if you go in person is what I'm trying to say. That's right. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, first and foremost, I feel, I feel for anybody getting into the field right now on the one hand, mm -hmm. because it's the amount of sensibility and sensitivity that you have to have for these types of sticky issues, right? Where mm -hmm. there is no malintent. You know, oh, yeah. Right. But, but you still need to find a way to keep that boundary, in this case, physical boundary, mm -hmm. um, without without uh, 
hurting any feelings or making anything even more uncomfortable. But um, mm -hmm. so on the flip side of the practice side, I wanted to ask you as well, uh, before we end the show, I wanted to ask you if you've noticed any change in the types of issues that your clients come into the office or come in, come to your practice for. And if you're, if you're noticing any particular issue, maybe creep up a bit more now that we're in the kind of work from home, you know, kids at home all day, like that, that kind of world that we find ourselves in today. It's a great question. I think a lot of people are having more anxiety. So I always spend about five minutes at the beginning of the session to check in on people with their world news. Because some people are very strong, very strong of either political party. Yeah. And so you really just have to understand in our field, you have to be able to see that a lot of the time they're very well intended and you just have to allow them to share their frustration or sentiment about what's happening politically in the world as well as in COVID and ask them what are their stories and they want to tell one or two. And then you can start moving into the work. And like you alluded to, there's sometimes something more fluid going on within the work that needs to be addressed from the other things. So you might even spend an entire session on whether the person wants to go to the store yet because of COVID. And that's okay because you're here for coaching and they want to talk about that this week. So you let them process that with you and make some great decisions. And they'll say things like, oh, you know what was so helpful about the last session is you and I talked about whether I felt safe to go to Walgreens and I did feel safe. So that's what I chose to do. Right. And then you just say, okay, that's cool. That's your goal this week. Absolutely. So you're making it a point to give space at the beginning of your session for the client to air out any concerns around COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's, I think that's Absolutely. smart. I think that's smart. Mm, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. All right, Krista. Well, that was that was really informative. I'm, I'm sure that listeners are going to get a lot out of um, the conversation we had. I think this is a field that a lot of new coaches are looking to get into, um, especially given how quickly everything is changing from the, you know, related kind of dating fields where, you know, dating has become such a 180 shift from kind of the way that things used to, mm -hmm. <laughs> the way things used to be. And so how to manage dating and then the eventual relationship and, and marriage, it's all so different now. So that's why mm -hmm. I think it's getting a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of attention. So yeah, I think, I think this is illuminating for anybody looking to, to go down this path. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I know everybody listening is just really working so hard to make their practices exquisite when they do start, or maybe they've already started. So I'm just thankful to get to share. Yeah, of course. Um, so for anybody out there who does want to learn more about you and about your work, can you just tell us where to find you and uh, where to find your books as well? Absolutely. Well, you can find my books at Amazon under my name, Krista Hardin. Or you can find my practice info at reflectionscc.com. I also have a podcast at Apple Podcast as well as Spotify called Enneagram and Marriage, where I go through personality types and marriage and all kinds of issues, even outside of personality type and marriage. Fantastic. Fellow podcasters, I love it. Yay. <laughs> Yay, podcasting. Awesome. Yes. Awesome, Krista. Thank you again so much. I wish you the best of luck with your practice. Thanks okay, again. thank you so much for having me. Okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.